0: We are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad,
1: you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds.
2: Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a
0: stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the fleshlight.
2: They they got to the point where Abraham and the the mullet scientists. No idea what you're talking about. I'm Walking several dead? trades behind. Oh, you are? Oh yeah. He, I just read the hardcover. I only buy it in hardcover yeah. and I okay.
0: don't, um I haven't even read hardcover he's, number eight yet. He's far so. he's four volumes back from where you are. Yeah. So we they, can talk about it, I don't care I know, about but spoilers they, they haven't.
2: No, they haven't they haven't left the prison yet.
0: Oh no, they've left oh, the God. prison. Okay. I'm well beyond the prison. I've I've
2: did did they meet the guys that they were going to Washington DC or mm-hmm. Georgia with? Okay.
0: Yeah, they went to. They were going to Washington D.C. They found out the one guy wasn't actually a scientist. That they they just got
2: to that part of the TV show.
0: Oh, okay. I haven't been watching the TV show. I've only yeah. literally only seen season one of the TV show.
2: That's okay. I'm, that's what I'm saying is that they're intru- introducing those characters. Oh, okay. Now. Okay. So when when they like the end of the episode when they pull up in the in the big truck and like Abraham and the the mullet guy come out and I was like, oh my god, they're there. Yes. <laughs> Because they're go they're going in a completely different direction than, than the books. Sure. But it's it's good. I I just wanted
1: to say that. Okay. Did the governor have an intricate torture rape scene that was a little bit too long for your personal comfort?
2: Not rape, but yeah, he did torture one of the Michonne. characters. No, he didn't torture Michonne in this one. Oh for some reason. No, he um he tortured uh, Glenn, S- Scarf- God, I hope it was Gwen. Scarface
1: girl. Oh, uh, the sister, yeah. Angela. No, uh, Angela the older one that died. Yeah,
2: no, uh, yeah, his the the sharp the sharpshooter girl. Talk, whatever.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, I have no idea because I'm just. Um, yeah, he
2: tortured her and then they killed her. Wait, which,
0: somebody died on The Walking Dead? No,
2: but somebody died in the TV show that didn't die on the normal show. Whoa,
0: really? No. Somebody died on Walking Dead. Oh, but geez. that was different
2: than in the book. That's what I'm saying. We had
0: a, dis- I had a discussion about Walking Dead um, when we went up to interview Ed Brisson last time in Vancouver, and he, like, we were talking about how it's really it's got out of steam. It's gotten really cynical and in its uh, killings of people where it's just like, it doesn't doesn't even fucking matter anymore. And it's just like, and that's kind of where I got with it where I was just like, yeah, I don't really give a fuck anymore. I don't want to be attached to any of these characters because
1: they will die and it does not matter.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The book or the TV show? Both. Yeah.
0: It's the problem with the book is the fact that I get the whole idea of a of an ongoing zombie survival thing and that's cool and it was cool for a while but it's been going for 10 years and now it's like you're just trying to find ways to kill people and in interesting and creative ways yeah, a lot murder world and in it's arcade. like it's not. It's no longer about the survival of the people in the world. It's it's about how you kill them, and that's just not fun. That's it's like glorified snuff film. Yeah, it's like watching. It's like watching. Um, it's like a comic book version of Hostile. It's just not okay. You guys are
2: just so wrong. But
0: okay. it's, uh, it's. I don't know. I, I haven't read. Like I said, I haven't read the last two arcs. Um, I've I'm only on uh, hardcover eight, which is behind by
2: quite a bit. But, yeah, yeah, but, but you really don't. Don't want to finish it, do you? I, I just have lost all interest. Yeah. Ever since the baby got shot, you're like, no, I don't... No, really it's
0: like... like it, was when, it was when Carl got shot, to be honest, that I thought was just really... That whole storyline in fucking Andersonville or whatever the fuck that little town was was just bullshit, and it was so bad. And I don't know if it got better after that, but that storyline was terrible. Fear the Hunters. Yeah, so... Um, Welcome, everybody, to episode 62 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, we just sat there and rambled about Walking Dead for a while, but I thought no, I'd go through an, Easter egg. an intro. <laughs> no, fuck it. I'm leaving it at the beginning of the episode. It's fine. <laughs> just, um, just go. So uh, we are talking about, this episode we are talking about Image Comics Nowhere Men. It is written by Eric Stevenson, who also happens to be the publisher of Image Comics. And it is drawn by Nate Belgard and colored by Jordy Belair because Jordi Belair colors everything, pretty much. Yeah, it's no, g- I was gonna, be like, wait. Yep, no, no, he did that. Yep. I th- I'm pretty sure that the entire comics industry right now is colored by Jordi Belair, Shari Kama, and Dean White. I think they do everything. I'm pretty sure. At least everything that's actually worth reading. <laughs> wow, that's a bold statement.
2: <laughs> uh, but um we'll get to that later.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that book later. Who right are now, you? uh I am Luke. I am here with Joel and Andy. Sup, Um, damn it, (laughs) yeah, got it. (laughs) Uh, And speaking of of worth reading, um, I want to talk about Unwritten for a little bit because we did Unwritten, we did the first trade of Unwritten on the show way, way early. So like two years ago, Um, it was a long time ago. Fuck, yeah, it was one of the first few episodes of the show. We talked about the first trade of Unwritten, and it was fantastic. Like the first, the first. Probably thirty issues of that book were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it's one of was one of my favorite things that Mike Carey's ever done. Um, still doesn't beat Lucifer. I think Lucifer is better, but um, but I made the rough decision this week at the comic shop to drop it um, because it's been I'm really disappointed in this book. I'm disappointed in Unwritten because. About issue 40, you could tell that things were kind of starting to go off the rails. And then after issue 40, it was, they were really phoning it in, like badly phoning it in. And it was clear, like I was talking to the guy, one of the guys at my comic shop, and he made a really good point that both Fables and Unwritten went off the rails and. His theory, and I kind of agree with him, is that um, at the time that Fables hit around issue 100 and, and beyond, and the time that Unwritten in the last you know several probably year has gone the last 12 or 13 issues, um, Vertigo was losing like all of its high profile titles, like everything that was making Vertigo good. Like uh, the, those two were its core ongoing titles. Um, there were a lot of like little mini series and stuff coming out that are pretty good. Like like Trillium is phenomenal. Uh, it's one of my favorite books right now. But like they folded Constantine into the main universe, so um, yeah. So there's um, there's a real vibe with both of those books of editorial interference, where it feels like somebody at Vertigo is like, you have to keep this going because Vertigo doesn't have anything else. Right, they don't have anything long-term to sustain them long-term except those two books, and that's really what it feels like. Because it feels like both, like it feels like Fables wanted desperately to F- end at Fables, issues 100, uh, issue one hundred. Fables should
1: have ended at the point where they defeated Geppetto. Yes, exactly. Like, that is the fucking end of the book. That should have
0: been the end of the story. What
1: Geppetto was an evil villain. Geppetto was the adversary. Oh my god. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, actually. It, it's really well It's done. actually a really fantastic
0: story up to that point. puppet
2: master.
1: <laughs> pretty much. Like, yeah. uh, there's that giant armor dude um, who they, everyone thinks the adversary is. Mm-hmm. It's just a puppet. It's just
0: a puppet, yeah. Duh.
2: Because s- I'm really pulling behind the scenes. Yeah, Geppetto. exactly. Yep.
1: Um, okay. He's the Wizard of Oz. Like, the best way that I can describe what happened to Fables, and I can sort of agree with Unwritten to a certain extent, is they're like... Um, I'm mean, going to use 100 bullets as an analogy because we just did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, uh, you know, they finish and it's got that panel with uh, the two characters and uh, the Graves ship, and Diz. Diz has the gun to Graves's head, mm-hmm. and they get to there and they're like, "Okay, we're done." And then the editorial staff is like, "Okay, so what's the next issue? What the next issue that you're doing? But but yeah, your contract says that you've got another 30. But but that was the story. So keep going. Oh, you know what the
0: next issue centers around? Brother Lono. I still haven't read that yet. I haven't either. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's it really like Unwritten just fell apart. Like they're they in in about thirty five or forty issues in you could tell that there was no end game, right? Or if there was an end game, they ditched it. Yeah. Um and so it started like sales started to flag, clearly. Um, because they didn't know where they were going with it which is a shame because I was that's that is one story that I really really wanted them to do like 50 issues and be done and have a have a completed a, su- a super nice uh, yeah like storyline that closes out but then they the sales started to flag and things started to fall apart and then they did the Fables crossover which is was the dumbest thing to do to either of those books Was that Fables the Literals and Unwritten? No, it was just Fables and Unwritten. Okay. Um and it was the fables crossover was awful, and it was pointless and Now, what they've done with unwritten is even though the so they they tried the one uh sales boost which is a crossover with a more popular title, which that didn't work. So now that that, now that that didn't work and the sales are still flagging, they have Marvel now rebooted it, basically, and it's now called The Unwritten Apocalypse. And oh, it's, I, I am call, but it's Marvel now-style reboot. It's oh, okay. not a new 52, because it's still technically part of the same universe, but they've like axed a bunch of storylines and restarted it at number one, calling it The Unwritten Apocalypse. I got to number two, and I'm like, I, c- I can't do this anymore. I just I've been trying desperately waiting for Mike Carey to pull this book out of the sludge and he just has not done it and I don't think it's his fault I mean you got to put some of the blame on the creative team right but like um, it's just it just it's it's the most the single most disappointing thing for a comic fan especially a guy like me that likes shorter self-contained storylines instead of big things like Marvel's uh, you know Marvel's books or DC's main core books is to go 55, 60 issues into a book that started out so well and just have it disintegrate on you. You know, it's just like, I've got such a huge investment in this book and it was all in the last two years too because I, you know, we we came into it when it was on issue 13 or 14 and we did the first trade and after reading the first trade, I went out and bought all the singles, mm-hmm. like all that were available and, I yes. have, and then subscribed to it and I've just watched it
2: crumble and it's... <laughs> horrible do you think maybe it's because that you really can't because the whole story of unwritten was it was very meta you know it was all mm-hmm. about it was all about literature in itself and what if harry potter was a real boy yeah what if harry potter was real and then there was people who were writers that were unwriting things like there wasn't there was the guy that had the hand that could yeah. dissolve people into words? Yeah, into words. And that, but after you get that past was where the
0: book lost me because that guy when they they killed off that character in the book. Spoilers, I apologize because you can only do so much with and that. then and and the way that they killed him off and the way that they let him go was so um, hackneyed. Hackneyed, yeah, that's a good good way to put it. It was just terrible. It was yeah. it was it was like they couldn't figure out how to what to do with that character, so they just they just like shit out some storyline about him like switching sides and then getting killed and it was terrible the, yeah the, the so best
1: analogy i can think of is uh, there's an episode of Mad Men where it's a normal episode and at the end everyone's at a party and they're riding around a lawnmower like a new lawnmower at the thing and they wanted to get rid of one of the guys from the show and they run over his foot with a lawnmower so it just gets ha- it just gets hacked to pieces so he can't walk around anymore and in the 40s that sort of precluded him from having his job so then he left the show Wow!
2: Yeah, it's the, a, a
1: hilarious scene, but it's a terrible way to get rid of a character. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you lose a foot. But uh, um, so what? What with unwritten or something like that? It was all on this pretense that oh, it's Harry Potter in the real world, and it and you can only take that so far. Well, I, I equate it, it, yeah, it, to it was, a lot to like M like um, M- Night Shyamalan, right? Where the whole movie is based on some kind of like gotcha. Premise. So, so
0: here's the thing about the unwritten the and you premise, can only go so far with that yeah the premise wasn't necessarily just Harry Potter in the real world. it was the fact that there was that it um that certain people had the ability to bring literature to life literally mm-hmm. right they 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 had the there was there was a an organization that was specifically geared toward controlling how the world Um, how controlling politics and the the direction of the world through literature Mm. because their belief was that and it was true was that um, stories could guide entire civilizations and how they progressed right so Um. so the point was that this organization was it's the typical um, evil organization trying to control the world and somebody finds out about it that has the power to stop them and is trying to stop them yeah but he never stops them and i and, yeah. and i don't i don't like so i don't expect a storyline like that to wrap up entirely by by answering every question mm-hmm. right that's they don't need to answer all the questions for me they just need to fucking wrap up the storyline yeah yeah and do it in a way that makes it sat that's satisfying and this book just keeps going and it's it's long outweighed or long outstayed it's welcome and now that they've rebooted it, it's just like, it's weird because in a lot of ways they reboot books like this in an attempt to, to bolster sales by getting people to be like, oh, it's a new number one and I can start here. Yeah. And all it did for me was give me a reason to drop it.
2: But, I mean, after you... But this evil organization, right, brings writing to life. And after you've gone through the different genres, I've talked to you with horror, and and I've talked to you with Jane Austen novels. And after they've gone through all that, what else do you have? You know, you you can only go so far with
0: it. But that's the thing. When you've gone as far as you can go with it, that's when you're supposed to end the story, which is what I'm saying.
2: They are not ending the story. They're just... And it's one of those things where he's just stuck in hell. Bill is stuck in hell, and he can't end it. Yeah, because people are like, "No, we'll yeah, throw money at you."
0: Exactly. The the editorial staff is just like, "No, we can't. We can't let this stop." Because like one of the best storylines in that entire series was when um, he gets what was the name of Andy? You'd know this. What was the name of um, uh, the Nazi propaganda guy? The Gerbers? was it? Goebbels. Goebbels. Yeah, Goebbels. Gerbils. Where he. He basically gets drawn sucked into one of Goebbel 's propaganda films and meets Goebbels and turns out that Goebbels is this is was not part of the organization but was one of the people that was able to sway hearts and minds through the use of his, um, you know, through the use of his literature and his films. obviously. And that was a fantastic storyline when they go, you know, they get stuck back there and they're not talking to the real Goebbels, but they're talking to the one that's in the film because they're literally in the film. And it's like absolutely fantastic. And those are the kinds of storylines that I really enjoyed out of the book, but then it just kind of like lost all focus. Yeah. Anyway. And he uh,
2: couldn't find anything and that. he couldn't find any way to close so, it out which is what really disappointing what, so what i find kind of funny is that i think maybe it's because it's called unwritten apocalypse because he just wants it to end himself like uh, maybe i don't know titles and, and thing, whatnot
0: and that's the thing if it, if
2: if it <sighs> so is he is easy he, are they going into the heart of darkness i don't know
0: apocalypse? i'm not i have not read issue two of you, unwritten oh, apocalypse yet just, i i yeah, read issue one and, and i'm anymore. like i just don't care i've I've got other books that I'm worried about. Like, the same thing for me with, like, I'm fairly selective about what I read. And I I started reading Letter 44, um, which I don't know if you guys – I think I talked about it before. But the whole point of Letter 44 was a new incoming president uh, gets a letter – uh, always gets a letter from the previous president right yeah, and it was and about aliens it was this one was about they you know they had developed this whole program because there's an alien presence in our solar system and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with it and mm-hmm. and um the first issue is a really great premise and then the second and third issues just kind of falter so I'm giving it one more issue. I've got issue. F- I picked up issue four from my comic shop this week, and I'm I'm going to give it one more issue. And if it doesn't capture me, then
2: I'm I'm done with it.
0: I always hate the uh, the conversation of Do you want to drop a book or not?
2: Because there's always that chance that it gets brilliant afterwards, right? and you're like, "Fuck!" Do you know what? You can always go back and get the back issue. And it's I was it's true. I was but also
0: going to say that the thing for me, since I like. Trades so much is that if I drop a book and it turns out fantastic, I'll just I'll just buy the trades later. Yeah. Um. My problem though is issues like is like Walking Dead, right? I've got eight trades of Walking Dead, and toward toward the end of the eighth trade or seventh trade, I'm just kind of like, ugh, ugh. So even if Walking Dead gets fantastic, I still. I'm a completist, so I can't skip the parts that are bad, right? I can't like skip trades eight, nine, and ten, and then eleven is awesome. Like I have to have the middle part. So now I've got these books on my shelf that I just have to, if I want to reread it, I'm like slogging through shit that I hate. <laughs> this is
1: my collection of Walking yeah. Dead, but you've only got volumes one through eight. Man, what
2: happened to 12, the Asian guy? Fourteen, <laughs>
1: yeah, and sixty-three through eighty-two. <laughs> Those are the only volumes that exist, man. Those yeah, are right. the only volumes that exist. Where did yeah.
2: everybody go?
0: You wanted to talk about Uber, Andy.
1: I want to talk about Uber for just like two minutes, real quick. Um, it's, a, it's a book by Avatar. It's written by uh, Kieran Gillian and um, I'm going to kill his name. It's illustrated by Canon White, I think. Let me see.
0: Canon or Canon? Canon yeah. White. Yeah. Um, it's
1: surprisingly uh,
0: good. It's an alternate history. <laughs> like how you're like what word should I use here? Well like I uh maybe good is the ever we the
1: uh, like uh, Avatar stuff is normally very unique and they have they don't restrict their writers and artists at all. Um there's a lot of gore, a lot of violence. Uh
0: but This art's th-
1: not good. It, the book is amazing. That's fine. The
0: book is amazing. The art looks like um, it. It looks like a third string '90s image artist, like <laughs> one of the guys that would be like uh, on a third on on a third string title he that's just, trying to emulate Rob Liefeld. Yeah, so. he just never
2: got the the whole drawing of pouches down
0: (laughs) but uh it's but kieran gillen's a great writer
1: uh, yeah it's an alternate history where not uh hitler gets super soldiers he gets three of them before the u.s government destroys the plant that's making them and they're trying to make more and whatnot but then that um agent comes back to the u.s and the u.s starts making super soldiers and what i find most interesting about the book is that it's not like tell me that's not cobra (laughs) (laughs) jesus (laughs) sorry uh is that Hitler is still an idiot. He's insane. But now he has the equivalent of nukes. Uh, and I yeah. think it's a good analogy for nuclear warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm having a fun time with it. And it, it just... Avatar has been doing stuff that I've really, really enjoyed recently. And I can't recommend it to everyone uh, because of the massive amount of violence in the book. And but Nazis. Th- no, there's a lot of Nazis who get killed. So that's, I, can rec- I can recommend that to anybody.
0: Okay. I am pro-Nazi killing. Wait, you're not you're not like a certain person we know that uh had a had a young impressionable girl ask about what first comics she should read and he gave her crossed bad boy. Yeah. That was not me. No, it wasn't you. That's why I'm saying. It's I'm
2: like,
1: like that was not me. <laughs> <laughs> it was someone you know, though. You do
2: love some crossed, though.
1: I, I do love
0: crossed, but that is not. But you're <laughs> I mean, smart. You wouldn't recommend crossed to somebody who's new to comics. You wouldn't be like, "Oh, this is what you should yeah. read," because this is indicative of the rest of the you comics start industry. Start
2: off with Archie. You know? Oh,
1: f- fuck! No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Be like, "Hey, why <laughs> don't
2: you read Jughead's Adventures?" <laughs> <laughs> Archie's got a gay character. W- what? I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's more metropolitan than you know. Richie Rich or something. I don't know. Anyway. What,
1: what would you guys recommend as a first comic for someone? I'm trying to think. I was about... I'd recommend, I'm like,
0: uh, it Planetary, depends, probably? S- no, I I think Planetary needs some working into. Yeah. It's really good, but it's, it's so complex. It's too complex. Um, like, in all honesty, and this is something that I've said before on the show, if if I'm recommending a superhero comic to someone to give them kind of that, you know, generalized, I'd probably recommend Invincible. Um. Like it does get pretty hyper violent at points, but it's cartoony enough, and the and the story is so is good enough that I think it's a good starting point for people. Sure. Strangely sure. enough, I would also well, I would recommend Invincible Iron Man the Matt Fraction run. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah,
1: that's a good starter I think for people because yeah. it's like people people know who Iron Man is. Yep. I mean, he's not
0: Superman or Wonder Woman, but yeah. X Men is very hit and miss, and I feel like it's really hard for me to any more. It's anymore. It's really hard for me to try and recommend any of the big two books, only because um, you do still run into continuity issues, and you do run into um, like the the world is so big and yeah. that, and rarely do the books, the individual books, succeed in making the world small enough for someone to grasp at the start. Um, Like, you can get the characters, you can like the characters and stuff, but, like, somebody trying to come in, I I think the only recent, one in recent memory that I would say I would hand to somebody and read would be the Marvel Now Captain America, because it's, they do a good, they do something really fantastic, which is they pull Cap out of the... Whole Marvel universe long enough that someone can get used to Cap as a character, and, and then s- and, put then, him in the and then you can put him back. Um, but like I, I tend to be more on the recommending of of some of the indie books on the side, depending on somebody's reading taste. Sixth Gun or Rat Queens actually would
1: both be books that, mm-hmm. depending on the person's like taste, like mm-hmm. I'm like. So you want to read a fantasy book? Here's Rat Queens. Rat
0: Queens or Skull Kickers. Like I would, I would go with. Rat I would Queen probably Jones. go Rat Queens first. Yeah, easily. Uh, I would go Rat Queens, Battle Chasers, Skull Kickers. Yeah. Battle okay. Chasers yeah, is battle chasers. Good, the only is. problem, the only problem battle with battle chasers, chasers is that it just end. End. stops. <laughs> <laughs> um, the yeah, the other I mean, end of the spectrum. Rat Queens is a really good like first uh, fantasy. Like if if if, if you know somebody's like a D and D nerd and they're really into fantasy stuff, you hand them Rat Queens and be like, "This is your foray into in a comic. Enjoy the roller derby." Yeah. Exactly. And then. Um, like, of course, if you know, if somebody's into crime comics and noir, you send them yeah, toward anything by Sean Phillips and, and Ed Brubaker, right? Um, yeah, that's just well, big stuff by them. Sure, like Criminal, Cri- Criminal, Criminal is where it it's Also yeah. acceptable, but it's like I, th- I think Invincible tends to me to be a good generalized start in into the comic book, like the realm of comic books. Yeah. Um, it's a good. It's a good story. The characters are are awesome, and it's
2: pretty much anybody
0: can could step into that book. In and a, you can and relate
2: with it because the kid starts off in high school. Uh-huh, what the know.
1: fuck was the first Curtis Weeb book um, that we did on the show? Bad
2: science that we did on no, the no, show. No, not bad Scientist. but um, Green Wake. We didn't do Green Wake no, on no, the show. No, no, no. The, the the science one, right?
1: The science heroes one. Intrepid? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, What about intrepids? So the the reason that I like it is uh, that it's its own world, and you can really easily get someone into that sort of thing, because there's no backstory. Mm -hmm, If someone's mm -hmm. reading X-Men, they're like, well, wait, didn't you say Jean Grey died? Well, yeah, she died multiple times, but then they brought her back. How did they bring her back? Which time? Like, yeah, right. You don't need to get that sort of thing into like you don't need someone who's new in comics to get into that and have to explain have to explain retcon after retcon after yeah. retcon. I've read X-Men for 30 years and I understand sort of what's <laughs> going on and what's not. I don't have like the 10 minutes that it takes to, you know, really hold someone's attention and explain everything they need to know.
0: Well, and what's really funny about this discussion too is that a lot of people, a lot of people in the comics industry and fan, comic fans will art will rail against us and uh, and rail against the idea that continuity is even important at all um but it feels almost like the attitude of of well you don't need to worry about the continuity just read it for the story is a is a desperate way of trying to justify reading comics that have 30 years of continuity right it's like you wouldn't have to say that if they actually had stories that you could just step into right off the street and not worry about um it like there's this there's this there's this level of defensiveness with fans of the big two that are like oh no you don't need to read that you can just read this and you can get it and it's totally fine it's like bullshit i i tried reading new 52 books when they came out and i still didn't fucking understand (laughs) well part of that problem was the fact
1: that you have in week one you have justice league i'm sure i've talked about this before and justice league was the only book that happened yeah. It refers to something that happens the next week in Action Comics. Yeah, in a book like, that should have come out ahead fuck? of
0: time, and it refers to shit that in other books, and that's really that's really. I mean, regardless of the thirty years of continuity, that's my problem with trying to introduce someone to one of the big two books at all is not necessarily the. Um, how should i put it not the vertical continuity through time but the horizontal continuity of trying to explain to them how those books interact with each other and when they start referencing things that happen in other books it's like that's a great tactic to try and get existing comic book fans to try and buy other books. more books in your world but when you're trying to act when you're trying to introduce something to a new uh, a new reader Like, they don't want to read 15 different books at once. They want to be able to take a book and read it and get into it and be like, boom, this is what, you know, this is the story that I'm reading. And then branch out if they decide that that's something they want to get into, you know? Absolutely. Uh, For the last few days, we've been reading uh, the first trade of Nowhere Men. Uh, It's called Better Off Dead. Is it? I don't I know. I think it's called Better Off Dead. Okay. Fuck if I remember. Yeah, I don't remember what the trade's called. We bought it on Comixology. Um, or a single issue. <laughs> Fates <laughs> worse, worse than death. Fates worse than death. Okay. Um, it is an image book. It's written by Eric Stevenson, who is also the publisher of Image, uh, or one of the higher-ups in Image. And uh, written by, or drawn by Nate Belgarde, colored by the ubiquitous Jordy Belair. Um, and it is... It's a book. It's definitely there.
1: It's the <laughs> Beatles as scientists.
0: Yeah. Science is the new rock and roll. It's the tagline. Is, uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to let Joel start this off because Joel's the one that suggested it. So, you,
2: what, Joel, take us away. Okay. So, I had I had heard about this book. It was recommended through uh, through Twitter because I follow a lot of comic creators and they's like, oh, no, we're men. It's really good. And so, I recommended this book book kind of blindly on recommendation of people in the industry and it starts off with a group world core which is a group of four guys that are super scientists and they are considered like the the rock stars they want to they want science to be like rock and roll and i think one of the characters actually even says that so you have you have four different guys you have um emerson strange who is the um berkeley kind of um, biologists. Then you have Dade Ellis, who is the the robotics scientist. His big claim to fame in this is that he made science, uh, cybernetic eyes and um, eradicated blindness. Um, then you have Simon Simon Gershaw, who is kind of the power hungry guy of the whole group. He leads everything. He's the alpha. And then you have the um, the last guy. Simon. No, the what's a uh, Thomas Walker Thomas Walker I was going to say Timothy Walker and Thomas Walker is is the astrophysicist who takes a lot of LSD and he's Carl Sagan he's, yeah he's trying to expand his mind it's well, funny
0: because you say you said uh, science is the new rock and roll and they're all these like rock star scientists and all I could think of was fucking Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park <laughs> I bring a scientist. You bring a rock star.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the thing chaos is, is, is the nature of the world. It, and like, Thomas is that Sean Connery. Is, it's so funny because where does that come from? I
1: was thinking of uh, his line about chaos makes things happen, and it just automatically went into a Sean Connery voice. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, that's very far from Jeff Goldblum. It's very very far. <laughs> from the,
1: I do like the idea of Sean Connery, Connery being inserted into <laughs> Jurassic Park in that role, however, because he was like eighty when that movie
2: was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, And so going with the whole rock star theme, these guys, these four are kind of the Beatles and Thomas Walker does end up kind of being like Sid Barrett, where he takes so much LSD that he just um, disappears. You're like, "Uh, this guy can't really function anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, Sid Barrett from um, Pink Floyd.
0: And so, yeah, uh, I was wondering where you were going with that because you're like, it's kind of like the Beatles, and then you start talking about somebody from Pink Floyd. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> Pink but Floyd there's
2: it's it's more just like the whole rock star persona, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. That and that's one of the allegories because he's that the one that was
0: the, he's the one of the guys that was he's super into like like I'm fading away. Yeah, I'm turning
1: into n- nothing.
0: He's super into like uh like the mind and physiology and stuff. So he's he's the one guy that's like like the, in the one of the prose interviews they talk about how he's like somebody was like are you sure that taking LSD is a really good idea i mean when your mind when your mind is so precious and he's like well it's i'm using it to expand my mind you yeah. know which yeah.
2: i'm going to get smarter yeah. um, and he he kind of disappears but you never really know where they never allude to where he disappeared to mm-hmm. the book time jumps it, and it does time jump i was going to get to that where it starts off yeah. where they're just Way beginning too much And they're kind of in the 60s, 70s, um, and there's that where they're early starting out and they're idealistic, and then they're in the middle, kind of middle age, where uh, Simon is doing these these tests that are killing people, and the other three people are against this, or pretty much the other two, Dade and Emerson, are against this, and he's like, fuck your morals, we're getting money and making contracts, and... And so Simon has gone down the road of of excess and and money, where where Dade and Emerson are trying to be idealistic and trying to save the world, make the world better, and and so and for some reason Thomas is never around. And then there's also the now time where they're old men, forty years later mm-hmm. or fifty years later, actually. Is it that long? From yeah, the from the time when from the time when the. From the time when the, the
0: gorilla thing first shows up and kills scientists to the, the now age with the people on the space
2: station, is I, that really that long? No, I think that's 20 years. Yeah, okay, I was Because when say, they first start off, that's in the 60s, and then...
0: Yeah, I get the feeling it's like 20, like a, a span of 40-ish years with uh, like a... Twi- 20s, like, 20s, 40s, and 60s. Yeah. And like that's their ages. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I was going to say, not the years, no. Yeah, <laughs> in the early 1920s, eh? Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And and so one of the one of the things is is Simon has created this uh, this virus that actually changes people. And one of the things that broke them up was that they did this experiment on a gorilla, and it turns the gorilla into this crystalline monster, like, monster. like a rock monster. Yeah, killing monster that kills. Kills some of the scientists. And now all
0: I hear is a B-52 singing
2: rock monster. <laughs> I, have, I have
0: rock lobster actually stuck <laughs> I, in my head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and so um, that kind of splits them. They have this one fight, and they don't really say what happens in the fight until towards the end, but it turns out that um, Dade, Dade and Simon have a fight over the virus, and they both get infected. And so Dade has been in this coma for the last 20 years, and Simon has gone off and left the company. And so Emerson was left over taking everything over for the World Corp is what it is. Mm-hmm. And and so towards the end it turns out that Dade finally wakes up from this virus and the virus is actually something that gives everything superpowers. It changes people. And the reason why Dade was out was because he was he became telepathic and it was so overwhelming. Hearing all the thoughts of the world that he was just in a coma, trying to process. S- process. Thank you. Trying to process all this for the last twenty years, and during this, um, Emerson had created a space station where he could do experiments on this virus to try to help sort Dade. Sort of created.
0: Bought the ISS.
2: Yes, and and that's that's the whole convoluted thing. As they bought the International Space Station, but in order to buy it outright, they. Faked its destruction. Faked its
0: destruction so that everybody would think that it's no longer there because yeah.
2: no one knows they're up there anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they could do this deadly experiment that changes people into monsters.
0: There was part of there was part of that that, and this is just be, I know this is being nitpicky, mm. but um, it part of that is where it, I lost a little bit of the suspension of disbelief only because. I have telescopes. actually I <laughs> telescopes and the fact that there's I've got an app on my iPhone in the real world right now called ISS Spotter. And on clear nights you can step outside and you can see that bright motherfucker streaking across the sky at 15,000 miles an hour. And so it, so the idea that they're like, "Oh, the ISS was
2: destroyed" is like but you can see it with the naked eye in the but, sky. <laughs> but if but if you had destroy the ISS, right? It it fell from orbit, so it's not up there. So like, hey, the tracker's not working. And if you have a powerful enough sure. corporation okay, okay, so. called World WorldCore, that you know, in uh, that employs billions of people,
0: the naked eye. Yes,
2: but the naked like you don't need you have to better
1: spi- eyes. I fucking can't see what your shirt says.
0: <laughs> you actually don't need to. S- so a, a little bit of real world here. You like f- ignoring the app? Fine. Mm. Like. We stopped a poker game at my house one night because the app told us that it was coming by. But the point was that we stepped outside of my house in Seattle, and it was it, it was as bright as, like, the lights on a plane flying by. That's mm-hmm. how bright the fucking thing is when it's yeah. flying across yeah. the sky. And, I'm so, anyway, and you can see anyway, satellites like with said, the naked eye. Totally
1: editor's note. Luke actually doesn't live in Seattle because you
0: can't see shit because of the well, light, light pollution in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and... And I'll I will digress, but just for me, that was one of those things where I was like, "You faked the destruction of the ISS without destroying the ISS." A uh, little little lose me, but I'll let it go, and I'm I moved on in the book anyway. Go,
2: <laughs> yes, suspension of disbelief. Oh, I'm so
0: fucking nitpicky
2: today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a comic book. Uh, anyway, so the people <laughs> the people in the space station were testing this virus, and they got infected, and they all started to die, and the reason and because of this infection they're in quarantine so one of the scientists on the space station builds a teleporter to get them off of the space station before they run out of supplies and actually die up there because nobody wants to be infected with this and it turns out that the the virus actually turns you into something different that gives you kind of superhero powers and Yeah, all the people that are sick
0: are actually not sick per se. They're going through a metamorphosis of e- some sort. Exactly,
2: and some of them are really sick, but they don't exactly know what the hell, because it's, it's extremely right. painful. They have fevers. They feel like they're going to die. And some of them do die. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's we'll get onto to that later. It's one of the interesting things. So they end up on the planet, and then it turns out between a power struggle between Dade and Emerson and Simon. And Thomas is still non-existent. He's somewhere. Um, where Simon wants to bring down World Corp, these friends that he was part of, and they pushed him out. So he's like, I'm going to fuck you guys over, all for revenge. And Emerson and Date are trying to stop Simon from doing that. And so there's this power struggle between getting all these test subjects, where there's 12 people, um, and getting them rounded up before they're exposed and everybody realizes that World Corp has been doing this top-secret um, experiment with viruses that right. could be catastrophic to the world.
0: And we find out later that um, despite the uh, power struggle between uh, Simon, what's his face? Uh, uh, Gershaw. fuck!
2: What? Simon Gershaw.
0: Yeah, yeah, Simon, Simon and, and, Dade? and Emerson. No, okay. and Emerson. And Emerson, yeah. Is that... We find out that the – so they kind of lead the book. They kind of lead you by the hand in thinking that these experiments are being led by Simon the whole time and that he was the guy who like split off from World Corp and did these experiments and made the space station all this stuff. And then you find out at the end that that's not actually the case, that Emerson, when World Corp, because of Dade's coma and Thomas Walker vanishing and – uh, Simon, like, splitting off and doing his own thing. Um, World Corp. started falling apart. So Emerson, like, went through horrible lengths to get Simon's blood so that he could start doing these experiments on his own and yes. started them anyway, in so spite he, of all of his original moral So injections. he could
2: help cure his friend, Dade, yeah. who was in a coma for, you know, the last 20 years. Okay, so
0: having recapped the story, what do you actually think of the book? Like, I
2: like it a lot. there is yeah i I really do i i like it one of the things is is that i like the idea of origin stories right and there's a whole shitload of origin stories in this and how people deal with that Mm -hmm. so when the people are on the space station they're trying to get off one guy freaks out because he knows that they're all sick and there's this one weird creepy introverted dude who creates the teleporter and it's like okay this is our only chance to get off of the space station is if you guys go through the teleporter and the guy's like...
0: Because the company has, has quarantined them. Has quarantined and them. And most of the people on the space station believe that the company is leaving them out to dry.
2: Yeah, which they are because if they do, if, they, if anybody comes in there, they're going to get infected themselves yeah. and die. And because of this situation, you have a lot of people who are like, okay, let's go through the teleporter. This is our only chance. And the one character is like, no, you guys were... We Our best chances to stay here and see what happens, and so there 's a struggle between that and because of this um what was I going to say? Oh, be, because of the teleporter is also draining all the energy of the space station too. So it's really their last ditch effort. Yeah. And so some people are like, no, we have other So it creates options. a rift. And yeah. So we have other options. Turn the teleporter off and we'll figure out an- another way out. And it's like, no, this is our only way out. We got to do it now. And so, and that's where one <laughs> of the first superpowers manifests where with this guy who was against it, he has this big scab on his neck and they rip it off and, all of a sudden this power beam shoots through, shoots out of this guy's neck, which is a weird place to have a superpower from.
0: That is that is one of the things that I really enjoyed about some of the way that they they he dealt with the characters, um, especially the people infected with the virus, is that it has definitely got some... Like, he kind of eschews the standard superhero uh, origin story stuff and instead goes for more of the... Fucked up, weird mutation thing, and does does a lot of really random stuff with it. Like yeah. instead of doing, you know, things that you would normally think about as being superpowers or being mutations in the in the world of comic books, he takes these characters and does some really kind of fucked up things to some of them. Yeah, mm. um, like, uh, there's. The thing guy, like, for lack of a better... The yeah, guy, yeah. You know, yeah, Gets super big and strong. Yeah, who actually started out the whole thing looking like he was uh, uh, turning into a giant pile of poo. Yeah. And yeah. then goes into a cocoon, literally, and it emerges as this big, like, crazy red thing with blue fists that's super strong and yeah. iron vulnerable <laughs> <multiple laughs> and, and strong <laughs> enough and to
2: throw a bus. Yeah. Well, and and that's you know, how... Let it. me take care of this for you. <laughs> Woo! and that's one (laughs) one of the cool things too is like in the real world if you did come down with superpowers would you like hey i cool i can shoot laser beams from my fingers you you wouldn't like think that was cool you're like oh my god what the fuck is wrong with me and everybody would think you were a freak too um and they how each one handles them getting their powers is kind of different some people are like hey i'm really amazed other people like the the thing guy he's a He's a a doctor, so he thinks about it analytically. He's like, okay, so when, when I was dying, what happens was I go into a cocoon, and when I come out, I was really hungry, and the first thing I ate was the cocoon. And then I didn't have enough with the cocoon. And then I started
0: eating parts of the building around me. Yeah, he
2: ate the wheelchair that he was rolled around in because he wasn't able to move. And it's just kind of a different way. It was like a butterfly metamorphosis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. So he went into the cocoon so everything in his body could change. And when he came out, the first thing he did was eat voraciously. Um, And I like how they dealt with how all these different characters got their superpowers. Um, another thing I did like is the black the black character, Dade, didn't die right off the end. <laughs> they thought he was dead, but no, he, he comes out and he's super telepathic. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: The black guy lives?
2: I do, right. What so is far? This a r- Wait. And he's It's <laughs> only the first trade, sir. Yeah, yeah. it is only uh, the first trade. What, is this a Romero film? <laughs> yeah, they'll get shot at the end. Yeah. Um, and he comes out with this super powerful ability that he knows everything. And Like
0: telepathic, very yeah, telepathic. Yeah,
2: he's, he's a, a black Charles Xavier, which is, I guess, kind of cool. And that's another thing about this is that they do have a lot of people in races represented in this like uh it's they, they make a
0: point about it actually with audra later about she, she i mean i the they never explicitly say what race she is but they the, they kind of like make her out to be probably like like indian or middle eastern mm-hmm. um and she makes a very big comment about how like somebody is trying to one of the one of the science what do they call this the the, the gang, the the science hippie, whatever they are. Um, oh, the science um, punks! Science punks is trying to kill her, and she, you know, because she the, he calls her a freak, and she she makes she has this little soliloquy about um, about how people have been doing that to her all her life, and she she can't just scrub off the color of her. When she was young, she's trying to scrub her skin so that she looked quote unquote normal, and so and it was yeah. it was um, it was an interesting.
2: It touches on a lot of stuff like that, and there's also the assistant to Emerson, who's been with there for a while. She's mm-hmm. Hindu because there's mm-hmm. a scene where she has like a dotner eye. Simon's Simon's assistant is um, is Chinese, yeah. You know, and so they everybody is represented. It's kind of like a world view Star Trek-y. It, it really, really <laughs> yeah. honestly. Everyone's it is. wearing dresses. I mean, what, yeah. What? And <laughs> another thing I like going through this is that these guys are considered rock stars. You know, like science? Science is the new rock and roll and they it really does cover the hubris of science like okay you have simon simon grinshaw who thinks okay we are the scientists and we are trying to help the world and instead of just holding back hey the world is not ready for this we need to give them everything Mm -hmm. right and emerson's idea was like no we need to give them when everything is ready dribble it out and simon talks about that too and so it it goes into whether doing all these experiments are right or not
0: so that's part of that's part of one of the things that i felt was really unfocused in this book it was trying to figure out exactly what they were trying to say with that like is 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 this a cautionary tale of the dangers of science or is it a tale about the how awesome science can be and how because they make a lot of comments about how the average citizen doesn't really pay much attention to science and scientific discoveries, even though they're f- they're fantastically cool, because th- nobody's spent the time to make them interesting to people. Oh my God, mm. what
1: the fuck is Neil Tyson Degrassi? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, has a great, Degrassi Tyson. Degrassi Tyson um, has an amazing quote about: "We live in a world that is, you know, based on technology.
0: However, most of its inhabitants don't understand technology." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it. I, I I just wasn't sure exactly what the point (laughs) was with the way that the, the way that the book is going, but yeah,
2: well for, for one thing, this is the first trade. So it's setting everything up, you know, it's, it's set up the, okay, this is the origin of world corp. And this is what happened between these three. And this is something that is happening in the world. That's the big conflict that they have to resolve, which is this virus. Um, And, and one of the, one of the great things about this is that um, there was a there was a callback at the end too. I, I always love the callback at the very end of the of the book. They have the Simon meeting the crystalline. Oh yeah, gorilla.
0: So I
2: my was I have not read beyond this. This
0: this book is actually on issue like thirteen or fourteen now. So it's like not. That. It's weird because like, like I don't think it actually has come out every month. Uh, I'm sure it probably hasn't, but. And I don't know where they're leading with it, but it seems after the first trade, like one of the core ideas behind this is, um, it seems like this is their way. It's it's like their their origin story for superheroes in the world. Period. Like this, it's a world that did not have superheroes, and now, not only because of the these rogue experiments by this group of scientists, but it, I get the impression that like so when they teleport out of the space station something goes wrong with the teleporter and it it blows up the space station but it doesn't just blow it up it actually teleports a bunch of pieces of the playstation playstation the playstation did i say that like 3 times no, i said space I, station. I did say space station said before space okay, station I'm like <laughs> playstation, PlayStation. Uh, it te- teleports a bunch of pieces of the space PS5, station all over the planet directly from space yeah. yeah and and i'm getting the i'm getting the feeling that that's like their way of starting The worldwide because the whole point of the end of this first trade was they made a real big point about how this secret facility that they have, which I believe is in Antarctica or something like that, um, is built to for them is a place for them to try and contain the people that have have been infected. Yeah. So they get them, they teleport them to this place, and that's. But now that the space station itself has been sundered and sent to different parts of the world, out of it's bags. going to be carrying yeah, this virus exactly. to people who um, who aren't able to be contained and it's just going to go in And the first
2: instance of that is the uh, reporter. Yeah, yeah. The reporter in the Sahara where they're driving through the Sahara, they come across the space station that's wrecked and they're taking pictures of it. And it's a big reveal because it realizes that this international space station that was supposed to be exploded – is ending up in the middle of Sahara, and it's got, and it's got World Corp logos on it, yeah, it's got which world is Corp. real smart,
0: right? You you buy the ISS, and you're specifically trying to keep it secret. Oh, so let's
2: plaster our logo all over the side. That's real fucking intelligent. <laughs> it's, Jesus, it's totally Black Ops. Now, the the one thing, <laughs> the one thing that is a little worrisome is that whenever you try to take on something a subject so big as Hey, everybody is going to get superpowers in this world. I don't know how you can. You gotta hold the boundaries of that premise. I think it becomes more pretty precisely, or else you're just gonna get. I think it becomes more lost. of a
0: story of out, uh, more like a an outbreak style story, right? It's gonna be a. It, it's like it's like a zombie virus, but not zombies. Yeah. So it's like they're gonna try and figure out how that's gonna like spread, you, because uh, of course, like the guy on the airplane, they they say at the end, the guy on the airplane, like um, they're trying to the figure reporter. out what's yeah. trying to figure out what's going on. So two things, like his. His friend, the reporter, the photographer dies and he gets really sick on an airplane and they let all the people off the airplane, which means that every single one of the people on the airplane is yep. clearly infected. And that's usually – that's that's a fairly common uh, like infection vector trope oh, in, yeah. in yeah, stories like this. Oh, yeah. this is the airplane. Yeah.
2: Um, but –
0: I want to t- I want to talk a little bit about this book from from my perspective because um, do it
2: because you didn't like I it did so much. not
0: like it um, and it starts for me the the not liking it starts for me like I think that the the time jumping storyline style has become a a bit of a I guess for lack of a better term a bit of a trope in comic books now where um, they. They attempt to to keep things from the reader by by flipping back and forth between several time periods and yeah. showing you little bits and oh, pieces it, that yeah, led to different things. And it's, it's definitely it's, a trope. It's very much a like a kind of a memento style of storytelling where you you know you get introduced to something in the present day and then you see what led to it in the past and then yeah. it jumps back and yeah. I thought that it was really unsuccessful in this book. I thought that the way that they did it was more confusing than interesting. Um, I didn't, I didn't get the, the time jumps didn't make me more interested in finding out what happened next. They just frustrated me because they ended up introducing more complexity to a story that um, when I needed something simplified, it, it, added more complexity or they threw another wrench in the works. Yeah. And I just thought that it was just
2: poorly constructed. You know, and, and I, I have to agree with you there because one of the things that early when they first... Started in the 60s mm-hmm. or the 70s whatever whenever they went back to that time that really was like a cast off because it really didn't explain or, yeah, or do anything before the, the story it just it.
0: keeps showing them being these rock star guys going around yeah. and doing interviews yeah, and, and stuff. you it's would like, think we get that we we know that that happened just yeah. let it go
2: one, one of the reasons why you want to do a time jump is to see how these people have changed over the years not just physically but also in in their ideals. their relationships and, and their, their ideals and stuff. And, and I don't yeah. And there really wasn 't anything establishing that in the earlier yeah, because um, the middle timeline time.
0: establishes all that, like the exactly the, the yeah.
2: showing them at
0: the beginning establishes that they were once a tight knit group of people with similar similar ideas, and that 's all that it ever does, and they keep going back to that and repeating it over and over and over again, even though you you get it, you get that they were once a tight knit group of people, and then they 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 fractured yeah. right yeah and
2: and there's there's a, a sp- Specifically, there's one scene where they're talking to a talk show host, which was a lot like, um, uh,
0: I know exactly what you're trying to say. Is the,
2: the one guy, David <laughs> something. It, it's, yeah. it's a 60s talk show, and they were talking about, oh, well, you guys think you're rock stars, and it pretty much just reinforces everything that they've said before, yeah. and they're just saying it over again. So there really wasn't anything that moved for the storyline in that, yeah. in that past, which they did in the the nearer past and and the present they would move the story right. along
0: and but. and i think so that was the first stumbling block for me with this book yep. and and that was for, that was f- further reinforced by the introduction of the like the prose pieces and the little magazine articles and ads so like um, throughout the book they intersperse like magazine articles Interviews, excerpts from an, a supposedly a book that was l- like a biography, an autobiographical book that was, or a bio- biographical book that was written about them. Yeah, and um, I felt like those prose pieces destroyed the pacing. Yeah, like really badly. Oh, yeah. because you they just you get to this point and like especially the first one you encounter is like a magazine article and it's three columns of small dense text and it just you're reading you're reading and there's momentum to the story and then you hit this thing and it just bogs yeah and every time and and the problem was is that that's the first one they introduce and then it it felt like that every single time i didn't mind like the little advertisements they had right like they have the for grimshaw holdings or whatever and then they have an ad and then they have that one little ad for the robot thing that they never explain and for high and for high. And, and those kinds of things are interesting. They're fine as like little like back matter for the books, right? Yeah. Um, but when you get to these huge, dense blocks of prose text in the middle of something that's moving as quickly as this book moves, yeah, it totally destroys the pacing. And I ended up skipping most of the what, – here's here's what happened. Like I read the first couple of prose pieces – and they they didn't add anything to, yeah. in my opinion and they bogged down the story so i started skipping them right i i read through the book and i just read through the the sequentials um, version the parts of it yeah and then at the end of the book, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and try and read some of these and see if they do anything. And every single one of them, they add nothing. Yeah. Like, they and, repeat stuff that is told in the book by, through actual storytelling. Yeah.
2: I, when I was reading the book, I just skipped over that shit. Because I've always, for one, that they're usually afterwards. You know, after the story is told, yeah, it's, it's like back matter hey. stuff
0: in the back of a exactly, comic book.
2: yeah, and that's usually how it's done. This one, it's interspersed in between, and I think they're trying to uh, illuminate some different part of the world or whatnot, like like the robot because the robot is is called to later on, sure, where that's where Simon figures out what happened to the space station and the high the the high uh, network that yeah, the that artificial networking, yeah, yeah, that. It that, seems like um, almost
1: as if there are some points that you can't explain in comic book form, so you need to explain. But that's not th- that's the true.
0: Point, is they but c- could.
2: You could do. They they Space did that really. They did that really well with with the advertisements because then it was like, oh, this is a part of the universe, and then they they like back to you that. see
1: the uh, the poster for the uh, the Kubrick movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's in the background, and then of one of the, the panels and then later on you actually see the full poster and those little things are fine but when you get to the, the like the magazine interviews yeah. and the book the book excerpts I was done I just had no interest I and I tried I tried so hard but they one they were boring as fuck and <laughs> two they didn't add anything to the story well, line.
2: and one thing that they were trying to add was the fact that these guys are personalities sure. these guys are rock stars everybody knows about I understand about them. that they're trying they're to more, fill in the world but they're like they, more movie stars and they're trying to prove a point hey these guys are so movie stars. That they're they're interviewing them or they're they're doing like um, pop culture pieces on now them.
0: now luckily I, I I do the one positive I will say is that having having gone through those parts they don't since they don't add anything to the story you can skip them and it's pointless absolutely you don't have to worry about them however I it they they fucked with the pacing really bad and that yeah. aggravated yeah
2: they me. did it's it's not necessary so I'm concrete. gonna move on to the
0: to the The last thing that really, really destroyed this story for me is that I don't give a fuck about any character in this book. Not one. Really? All of the characters in this book are so flat and cardboard, especially the four main guys. They are... They read like robots. They're primarily emotionless with exception. Like even when they're arguing about the morals of what they're doing, they're still just kind of like, they're a little upset about it, but they're not really. And they just, they just read so dry and the characters, even the characters on the space station that are trying to survive through their viruses. Just, I have no attachment to them at all. Yeah. And that was combining the weird storytelling, the time jumping, fucking with the the prose sections that that screwed with the pacing Mm. the characters that have like they just they don't interest me at all there's nothing to hook me and get me excited or involved in these characters lives i don't give a fuck about the main four yeah screw them they're they're all in their own ways kind of big Fucking arrogant dicks and I don't give a shit about them. So it's hard for me to want to follow them even though what they're doing is fucking over other people. I need more of a connection to the people they're fucking over so that I can understand why I should give a shit about anything that's going on in this book. So strangely enough, the biggest problem I
1: had with this book wasn't didn't have anything to do with this book. It had to do with the fact that the Manhattan Projects came out at the exact same (laughs) time.
0: Yeah. The Manhattan Project is so much better of an implementation of this style of storyline. It's
2: it's a much smaller scope, though. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't oh, say yeah. that. Yeah, there, there's only like five, six characters. No, I mean, they there's do like fourteen or fifteen at this point. Oh, on Manhattan Projects? Yeah. not on the first one though. There's like eight. I mean, <laughs> eh, anyway, go on. But so, like this, um, the
1: best way I can describe and contrast the two is. Uh, Nowhere Men is the Beatles as scientists. Uh, Manhattan Projects is
0: scientists as superheroes. Sure, yeah. and that's that's so. The more I read this book, the the farther I got into it. The more um, parallels I kept drawing in my mind to Watchmen. Um, just <laughs> the way the story is told, the time jumps, the the. Um, like the type the styles of the characters and the way they were doing it it feels really much like he's trying to tell that type of story and it and i i said this to andy before the show but it's it feels like it's it's somewhere in between planetary and Watchmen, but lacking the profundity of either and completely incoherent god planetary so good and and then you and that's the problem it's like you have the like manhattan projects is scientists as superheroes. superheroes like five fists of science is like the en- is like the entertaining version of this in the 1800s and that's it's it's got it's aspires to be something in the level of planetary or Watchmen, but it it's not nearly as profound, nor is it as entertaining, and its and its construction is so incoherent that I couldn't follow it, and I and it just lost me. I just I was I did not like this book at all, and I I mean, what?
2: Not a good thing. No, I I, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't oh. get that from anything you were saying for the last half hour. <laughs> mm. So buy borrow, or burn, Joel.
1: Uh,
0: buy it, Luke. I'm waffling between Borrow and Burn, but I'm going to say Burn because I think there are better books. I think there are better books out there that tell this, a similar story with, uh, with a more entertaining bent. I'm waffling between
1: Buy and Borrow. I'm going to go with Borrow because I don't think it's bad, but I think that Manhattan Projects is better. Mm-hmm. And, and you Planetary know what, is way better. Well, planet, yeah, that's... But so I guess the the one thing is I kind of want to see how this ends up because I want to know where it goes because that can make a huge difference on how it starts, if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. And that's one of my biggest and what I said before, one of my biggest problems with the book is that by the time I got done with this trade, I didn't give a fuck. I don't care where it goes. I just don't have any interest. No, I, so.
2: I do. I, I like I like the characters mm-hmm. because you guys add little caveats to your Barbaro burn. I like the characters. I I liked the the struggle between these two and how these science superheroes are now um, when they're older and they're having to deal with, oh, hey, this is what our personalities have wrought on the world mm-hmm. um, and what they're doing to other people, and also if they've unleashed science on the world. It's kind of like uh, the, the virus is, is saying to, akin to um, Promethea. Well, not Promethea, but the the, the atom bomb. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. where they're unleashing this this technology that totally changes the world and um, how That's they're going to deal with,
0: repercussions with it. Of that. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the name of the segment. One buy, one borrow, one burn. Bing. Emerald City Comic Con is coming up. Uh, In one month from now, so two shows from now, we will be at Emerald City Comic Con. We've got a great, great table placement this year. Uh, We're right on one of the main drags. We're sitting right next to Micatron, who uh, fans of the show will remember Uh, from after the fact. Um, And he was on the first episode of this. And he was on the first episode of of Trade Secrets as well. Uh, But uh, that is March 28th through 30th. And if you're going to be in the Seattle area for Emerald City Comic Con, it's it's amongst the best comic conventions in the world. I think it's the best. It's really, really, really good. Um, So... For the next show, for our interim show, we are going to be reading The First Trade of the Authority Fuck yeah! Uh, by Warren Ellis. That came out f- – uh, when it originally came out, it was Image, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It was Image, and then it moved to Wildstorm. Yeah, moved to Wildstorm. Yeah, Storm. yeah. So uh, we're going to be doing The First Trade of the Authority. So if you want to read along with us, go ahead and read The First Trade and then listen to the next show. And then the show after that, we are going to – since we're going to have – um, Ed Brisson and Johnny Christmas on the show, we are actually going to review the first trade of Sheltered on the show for Emerald City Comic Con, as well as interviews with the creative team of that book, like I just said. We're also going to have Curtis Weeb and uh, Rock Upchurch Church on the show for um, Rat Queens. And awesome. it's going to be fantastic. So uh, come, if you're going to be in the Seattle area or coming to ECCC, come come visit us if not listen to our show and we'll we'll expound upon how fucking awesome emerald city comic-con is so that you'll want to come next year uh yeah that this has been this has been episode 62 if you want to be part of the show like if you want to send us questions or comments you should email us at trade secrets at com or hit up our facebook page at facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast or hit up our twitter account at trade secrets pod um we are all also individually on twitter joel superfly Mathastrophe. geek elite uh Anne is at and tweets eddie is at grape doctor g-r-a-p-e-d-r um hit us up on twitter and send us questions we love answering emails and questions on the on the show so uh hit us up at emerald city comic con this has been episode 62 of cluster fuck of an outro Oh, Jesus God. Christ. Oh. Work oh. it harder,
2: make it better. faster, makes us hunger more than ever. after hour, work is never over. Working on harder, make it better. Do faster, makes us hunger more than ever.
0: All right, so uh, as, as we're going to talk about a lot, I will uh, – I can't fucking remember what I was going to say. You, you talk about it a lot. It doesn't – I talk about it a lot. Fuck. Um, PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> the International PlayStation.